And Trump had a lot of charm uh, in that he'd uh, know your name, he'd uh, know who you were, uh, he would tell Christy, I have a special measure, you know, uh, um, uh, message for your father. Next time you see him, he'd lean in and whisper. You know, all very cleverly done. She'd laugh. Um, you know, and 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 Christy helped Barack Obama in Chicago. You know, she is not, would not be happy with Trump today. I haven't asked her directly, but you know, um, you know where our, our politics. I mean, he just played all of us in that kind of like jovial um, way. Everyone, welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, which isn't really 15 minutes long at all and is not really about fame either. I'm Jamie Berger. This is episode 67, part two of my conversation with Christopher Napolitano. Our first conversation uh, aired debuted, you can air it anytime you like on your favorite podcasting app, is episode 56. And in the beginning of that, I gave a brief bio of Chris, which went a little bit like this. Christopher Napolitano is an old college friend. When we graduated, I headed off to work for literary presses, Grove Press, and New Directions, while Chris started working in the editorial offices at Playboy where he eventually rose to be editorial director. After his 20-year tenure at Playboy, he became the creative director at Indian Country Today Media Network. In the first episode, episode 56, we talked a lot about editing and other literary stuff, uh, including editing one's heroes for him. Uh, among them were Norman Mailer and John Updike, and he has a couple great stories about those. But those are back in the previous episode 56. Uh, episode 67 here is a little bit more of the the Playboy stuff, the Me Too era, and perhaps the, the legacy of Hugh Hefner. Um, brief discussions of, of, of uh, Weinstein and Louis and the difference between being pervy or lusty and being abusive. Uh, there's a little uh, Bill O'Reilly story. Um, Chris talks about the times that he has met, uh, been in the room with and met our current president and the vibe and aura that Donald Trump gives off IRL. And we also talk about his visits to the Playboy Mansion Playmate Celebrity, a story about Perry Farrell at the mansion, and other juicy tidbits like that. So, oh, the one thing you should know is that a couple times I referred to last time we spoke, and at the end Chris mentioned it, Chris and I had a long phone conversation first that somehow did not record, and so I, early this year, visited him in Brooklyn, where we recorded this. Hope you enjoy it.
I had gotten the big job at Playboy. Uh, I came from in-house. I wouldn't say there was skepticism about whether I could do it or not, but... Um, I remember know, reading he- headlines yeah. when I researched. Yeah. Playboy hires in-house. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, they gave up on this Maxim guy thing. That, you know, And, and it, it's not a very sexy PR thing to say, oh, we just promoted this guy. Right. Um, and I had been passed over once before for it, but uh, I was... Uh, the, the culture of that place was really strong. I knew it. It was very hard for an outsider to come in and have any impact on it. So there I was. And, um, you know, Christy was feeling the heat. And so she was... Uh, uh, this one, is Christy Hefner, Christy Hefner, Hugh's daughter. Hugh's daughter oh. ran the company the entire time that I was there. Um, and probably for about five years before I joined in 88. She probably became CEO around 82 or 84 and did a great job of keeping the thing alive and, and thriving for, for those many years. Um, she sent me a note that at the uh, Harold Washington Library in Chicago was going to give John Updike the Carl Sandburg Award. Big deal kind of, kind of thing. Should we get a table at the ceremony? And it was a little bit of a challenge you know, to that, it was $10,000 or at least maybe more. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of money to throw mm. around. And I said, absolutely. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, she said, well, who should we invite? Let me think about it. <laughs> now I'm really into the How guy. many seats? 10. 10. Yeah. Um, so I knew that, uh, uh, my, uh, Lee Frelick, one of our great editors in Chicago would, would, would go with me and Christy would be there. So that's three. So who are the other seven people going to be? Um, we managed to, to lure, uh, Scott Turow and his wife, mm-hmm. uh, great magazine writer, Bill Zamey, uh, and, uh, his girlfriend, uh, was there. Jeffrey Eugenides said yes to us and came along with his wife and a young uh, uh, writer at the time, Alexander Heman, who won uh, a similar award the year before for best new writer kind mm-hmm. of thing at this event, was the uh, was the, the seventh. So we are very pleased at that. We had the best table. <laughs> um, but you said that with equal pride both times you've told yeah, me this yeah, story. Yeah, because gotta, because. Gotta we were, you know, anytime you do anything with Playboy, there are people going to knock you for, you know, the skin book kind of thing. And, uh, and Christy had just been um, the subject of a, of a Chicago Tribune uh, Sunday magazine story, unflattering, uh, about how the, the company was really, wasn't her great business acumen that had, you know, let us uh, uh, continue, but um, an acquisition of a, of a minor uh, spice network, you know, deal like she bought forty percent of it, and and that was where the profit was coming right. from, and that's all soft, you know, uh, cinema, dirty max, cinemax kind of right. level level stuff that was, and it was a profitable deal. And she was smart to do it. Yeah, but what's they, not business acumen about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, but it but it had the whole you know midwestern prudery thing coming out. And we could see it when, you know, Lee Freilich, the other editor and I, could see that the sort of the Chicago Blue Buds big money people who were swanning around out there kind of like would turn their show, just wouldn't, she came in and there was like, it got frosty, at least to my eye, at the event. And um, I, so I saw her, I don't know whether she, she doesn't give a shit, but you know, we're, 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 we're there. She, she showed up, would you like to, you know, meet the guest of honor and she's oh yes so i we walked over to uh um updike 
and uh, I said, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Updike, uh, you know, Christy Hefner. And, but before I could get anything out, he looked at me, he's like, ah, my benefactor, and shook my hand. And that was like, I thought, what a, thank you so much, you know, in front of my boss. You know, to do that was uh, completely you know, just generous spirit, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, and I was really happy about that. Uh, and then, um, when the MC talked about all the luminaries in the audience, um, there was maybe one or two that weren't sitting at our table, you know, when they went through the mm-hmm. list. So we nice. felt, so we're all sitting there like, aha. And the crowning moment came when, um, uh, Uptech told this great, wonderful shaggy dog story about Carl Sandburg. And at the end, he finished with, I love Chicago. Thank you for this world. You know, thank you for this award. It means a lot to me coming from this great city of Chicago. I love Chicago, home of the Cubs, uh, 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 French dipped beef, and Playboy magazine. <laughs> we were all that's like, good. oh my God, that's great. So, uh, you know, he was a sly guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was sly. He could read the room and right. he knew where he was. And he, right. and he was, uh, again, um, you know, embraced what a great writer when it comes to sexuality and stuff like that. So, yeah, and that it makes me think of what you what we were talking. The the idea. So there you were in the literary world, and Playboy was look was frowned upon in that evening. Yes. I don't I don't remember if this is why this came up last time, but we ended up talking about. Do I call him half? Yeah, you call him Hef? Hef? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. Hef died yeah. right as Me Too and Harvey yeah. Weinstein. He yeah. he died at a kind of an ideal moment for exactly. him. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. I don't know whether it was because such obviously horrible people were being uh, uh, called out, mm-hmm. but nearly all of the press, from men and women, was at least lukewarm or a little forgiving of this man who could you know be yeah like you, you know, who certainly yeah in my mother's era was 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 considered the dead you know the yeah, devil absolutely. in second wave feminism yeah and so before we spoke last time i, I did do some research and <clears throat> i looked at the obituaries and i mentioned uh that, that you know that that i looked at the obituaries and i looked at stuff about playboy and i've even found some more since then uh, I mentioned a Glennis Mackinall yep. story about her, how empowering and, and important her years of Playboy were. And Amanda Willis and Lindsay Silberman, yes. a CNN conversation about yeah. how it was a culture that was totally respected. And if anything, the women's perspective was given more credence because it was Playboy and so male. Yes. Um, but I just, I guess I just wanted you to speak to that and to have and to what... I don't know, what do you th- what do you think his legacy is or should be, especially in in terms of what's going on today? Yeah, there's yeah. The, the I guess there's kind of the conflict of there's the ob- incredible objectification, yeah, versus the office atmosphere, yeah. which seemed to be great. Yeah, no, I mean there was a lot of smart people involved. I, I um, you know, and and uh, in in my reading of all the coverage. Um, and looking for people who had something new to say or, or, or insightful that hadn't been said before. Um, uh, although she said it many times, what Camille Paglia wrote in, uh, the, or during an interview in, in The Hollywood Reporter, I think really summed it up. 
really, really did it well. So she she credits Hefner with, um, you know, uh, just diving into the muck of uh, human sexuality and 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 bringing it to a point where we could actually, you know, talk about it. Um, and then if you evaluate him on his own personal tastes or or his uh, uh, worldview, which evolved over time, um, you know, he's certainly a man of his times. And uh, but but very progressive in all and, 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 and a student of sexuality. So, you know, he he uh, 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 one weird little intersection between the world of of Indian country and and um, <laughs> Playboy. Yeah. Right. Um, we the Playboy published something called uh, Custer Died for Your Sins by Vine Deloria, who is the preeminent thinker in Indian country for establishing a way for um, uh, natives to look at all the subtextual perspectives in history and culture that put uh, uh, American Indians down, you know, um, whether it's historical or whatever. So that appeared in Playboy first. And uh, uh, Hef championed um, uh, integration in the clubs, the Playboy clubs. So Dick Gregory, um, you know, had a tight association with him and credits Hef with all kinds of things, which is, and Dick Gregory was somebody who, uh, helped in the fishing wars in the Northwest mm -hmm. and just showed up out of the blue and went on a hunger strike until Seattle gave the tribes the right to, to, to fish as they had in, mm -hmm. the, in their treaties. And, and, and I mean a hunger strike. Like yeah. 28 days, like bring in the doctors, he could die tomorrow kind mm -hmm. of hunger strike. Just out of the blue, the guy went. So it's just, you know... So you have all that going on, and then you have uh, his uh, 1950s-era sense of seduction and coolness, which is tuxedos and Frank Sinatra and whatever. Couldn't understand the hippies. Uh, you know, poor misstep when it came to the feminists. But Miller did the same thing. He Those, those guys of that generation couldn't handle some of the things that the women were saying to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that changed. I always say I'm glad that I wasn't in the, even the even the hippie generation. Those that crowd, which was producing, you know, preaching free love and everything, was another dodge for men to, oh, yeah, you know, just get laid and yeah. and 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 uh, you know not have any um, you know just manipulate women into yeah. you know uh, physical encounters that meant yeah. you know nothing and degrading for them. So I'm glad that I wasn't you know part of all that stuff. So by the time you, know, you get to our contemporaries working on a, a magazine or a book like that, um, you know, Half was influenced by people. He heard a lot. You know, he wasn't dogmatic, wasn't stuck in his way. So, mm -hmm. um, and that celebration of, of uh, beauty um, and, and nudity and the idea that men like to look at those things is... Um, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's it's kind of an inescapable thing. So Paglia really does a great job of talking about how um, it's part of a process mm -hmm. that should take us in one direction and understanding the messiness of uh, human relations and sex uh, while never um, sacrificing any of the power that women are entitled to. And should possess, yeah. you know, and any abuse of that on me. So she has a really great 
way of doing it. And so she gives Hef his due, while at the same time understanding that he certainly didn't get it right in all respects. Um, so that was a uh, that was interesting, and for him, he had a nice. Uh, he was a very really pleasant guy to to be with and 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 to be around, and uh, you know didn't have to pull any shit to um, to be with the women who wanted to be with him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and that's its own thing, you know. Somewhere in the middle there, I was wondering if Gloria Steinem wrote anything after he died. I think she came out again with more. Uh, I I do remember references to it, but it could have been Paglia talking about her mm-hmm. um, being being a little strident. Uh, well, they're not buddies, so I don't know if I would yeah. trust Paglia's. Yeah, but take it's interesting to see what what yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, you know how 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 that came out. But I think I think yeah. Steinem is so savvy that she probably knew that if she said anything, it would draw yeah. more attention to him, and that's the last thing that she really yeah. wants. And and again, the most negative thing I've read, not that I disagree with any of the assertions he made was by a puritanical white man, Ross Dutha. Yes. Who I, I have problems with so much of the time. I yes. told to talk to you about this. Yeah. I keep saying I talked to you about this last time because I just can't get yeah. away from my amateurishness. No, um, uh, hardly. hardly. Uh, uh, his, uh, what was it about his puritanical just general nature in, in Oh, that he, he's been writing really, you know, like, I feel like he writes me too, like, I want attention, me too, pieces. And, and one of them is about, he wrote about just, just blanket statements like, oh, a man who's adulterous is likely to be an abuser kind of statement. Yeah, right, right. That just pissed me off. And, you know, it, it relates to the way people are tossing around instead of, Harasser, abuser, rapist. They're throwing the word pervert in there too. Yeah, yeah. Which I have a big yeah. Well, problem. you know, per, you know, pervert is a compliment in my book. We're all perverts, right? Yeah. So we we uh, uh, understanding. Um, oh my gosh, just like the infinite varieties. That's one thing about the internet is like you know people who might have an obsession with, you know, uh, uh, licking eyeballs. Um, their whole life would walk around in a small town, probably think of themselves as, you know, put themselves through all sorts of like uh, self-flagellation and emotional, you know, hardship. But now they're, they can, they can meet up in a chat room uh, digitally with Mm -hmm. the 20 other people in the country who might like it too. And, and it's a very relieving thing to know that like, like like-minded adults can, you know, kind of, um, um, Fulfill whatever strange desires they might have, because all yeah, so long as they're not, yeah, all desires are strange, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as they're not at the expense of other people, right? Right. The the beast with two backs. It's a ridiculous thing that we do physically with each other. So there's no way to elevate it or make it holy or spiritual, which is like what Ross wants to do, because that's the dogma that he's following Mm -hmm. that is being preached to. It's all also has the. When, when, when male writers write that way, there's a certain white knuckle aspect to it. It's just like, what do you really want to be doing, buddy? If you're, you know, why are you so wound tight yeah. about this? Yeah. Like all you the know? evangelical. Yeah. Yeah. And he's positioning himself. President Pence, you know, yes. he's another guy. I'm like, yeah. oh boy, man, what are you really, what are you fighting? You know? Yeah. Can't be in the room. Yeah. Alone with a woman. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And he's positioning himself in a way with the these rich, famous, powerful people. I don't know where, I'm not exactly sure what my point is there, but I'm kind of uh, combining two things that, that we, we talked about how at least I expected more in the non-Hollywood corporate world, more stuff to be happening. Yeah. Me, me too. Yeah. Like, and there's some positive stuff like hotel chains, putting, putting, uh, you know, panic buttons in the rooms for maids. Yeah. But I'm not hearing about hotel chain executives, GM executives, yeah. et cetera. And the question is whether it's just that Hollywood's more gossipy or there were two, two factors. One was that the power that men in Hollywood hold isn't just to give you a better job or promotion or more money, but to maybe make you immortal. In a sense, yeah. yeah. To make you famous. And then the other one that you seem to be uh, more interesting was a kind of a, if I go back to our contemporary civilization class, a kind of a Hobbesian there are better and more rules in regular corporate world. So there won't be as many cases because right. there are more. So you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that's, that's definitely, you know, true when, you know, the lawyers have been through this before um, and a harassment or discrimination case is like the last thing any company wants to go through. So, uh, I'm sure that people at Playboy thought of this a long time ago because we had a very enlightened and, you know, aggressive policy of, uh, you know, from they followed what legal recommendation, right? If it was twice a year uh, training sessions with staff and managers um, or whatever. They, they took the strictest interpretation of the law and they followed it. So we were all well-versed with what these things meant. And the, one of the uh, uh, ways in the Bush era, George, George Bush uh, II, or maybe the first, with the tort reform, um, companies escaped the burden of huge payouts because they could now blame an intermediate manager who wasn't at the top of the food chain for not reporting or handling something right, then it became a personal responsibility. So really unlikely that, and, and so then you look at something like the Weinstein company where it isn't running like a traditional company and he's the boss. And founder, if, boss, king. king exactly. Yeah. So you got somebody who's a middle manager. So they say, I'm aware of a harassing situation and you're the harasser. <laughs> you know, that paper trail doesn't exist. So they're all the nooses around all of their necks and he's running wild. And what the hell does the head of a movie company, you know, and whether, whether that movie company actually exists or is just like invented to produce one film or whatever, you know, all that shit that they pull there about like, I'm not, I'm you're, you're an independent, but you you don't work here. You work for this. You're a personal assistant to so-and-so and it's a smaller than five people company or 15 people and getting wiggling around all those rules. What the hell is a guy of that immense power doing interviewing an ingenue for a film who would typically be talking to whom like a, a casting director and an assistant director and never even meet the person making the film until the make or break yeah. moment of the fourth edition audition. It, you, clearly he was just, you and, know. Yeah. And the level of shamelessness, let alone just evil that he's like, 
I'm going to pretend I, I, I'm the person to audition. Me. It's, you know, I think there's, I think one of the missing things is I don't, I don't know if they're talking about, I don't think in, in the case of Weinstein or anybody, and I wouldn't, wouldn't want to, you know, libel anybody, but, uh, <laughs> just judging from the, the, I think the alcohol and cocaine not being mentioned in any of these stories is odd to me. Um, given some of the players who have among the 40 people who have come up, uh, because I smell party in some of the in- encounters and instances that are, mm-hmm. that are, that are there. And that's awfully weird. And you had this really weird thing of guys just pulling their dicks out, which is really, I don't, I can't. Yeah. After just talking about how perverted all human beings are and seeing letters come into Playboy magazine and mm-hmm. having us go through research of human sexuality and having electrodes tied to people and scientists studying this stuff and us knowing not that much more than we did 40 years ago, but we're trying that power move, that aggressive thing is just like so bizarre. You know, yeah. what, what, what is that about the, yeah. you know, all of a sudden what, here, my dick's in my head, Louis CK. What, that, what, well, that's what I've been saying to people is, I guess there are just certain kinds of crazy you can relate to and certain you can't. I keep thinking to myself is, okay, so Louis did this like dozens and maybe hundreds of times. What was a good day like after you did that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or was it just a, a like a way of shame make you know, maybe it was just because it just seems so was it like that was a really good taking my dick out and and, and you should have seen her expression yeah, I mean, yeah. Right, that, that would be a pained expression nearly 99% of the time right? especially yeah. for someone I can't believe none of the work that I know that he's made is sincere I believe a lot of it is yeah and he's someone who is thoughtful and so what? But now you watch his stuff, and it's a little too. No, I haven't done it. You, I haven't it's, done it's, it. It's my son has of all people, fourteen. He's just like you can't laugh at it anymore because no. it's so uncomfortable. He's like it's he's actually kind of just exposing his neurosis at sometimes, yeah. and you're like, well, you need you should get some help for that. You know, yeah. Um, you're making us laugh, but oh, there's something <clears throat> you know not not quite not quite right there. And speaking of kids, like, you know, it's very funny. There are like in kindergarten or preschool, maybe even first grade, uh, there's always a flasher, you know, there's always some kid who, who will, a uh, uh, girl or boy who will, who will show their, yeah. their stuff. And it's not abnormal. It's not <laughs> different. It, it, there's a, maybe even one or two. It's, it's kind of like part of the pattern. By the time you're in second or third grade, if you're exposing yourself you know, all kinds of red flags go up. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah, it's cool when you're three, four, five, six, but man, at a certain point, we all know it's not what we yeah. do. Yeah. Gut reaction. I almost named a name of someone and he wasn't an exposer. He was, he finally got, there was a, there was a random, there was a, a phantom pooper who would smear poop on the walls of oh, the bathroom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And around second, third grade, he got thrown out of our, our little school. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's that kind of thing. And, and I, I, um, uh, never went to, uh, you know, I have no, um, my mom was an educator. Um, but I, but I, I, I'm sure it just seems like every teacher knows what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I got to ask them, you know, at, at a certain point or all those early childhood ed people see something like that as being like, ah, there's much something mm-hmm. deeper that is, is, is that we isn't going to be handled in this classroom mm-hmm. needs to go here, you know? Um, so maybe, maybe those guys were doing it back then. <laughs> Nobody yeah. ever told them to stop. Yeah. Louis. <laughs> Nobody ever told them to stop. Or that knowing it's wrong just gave it more and more power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't resist a certain tawdry turn I didn't take last time. 
Sure. Now, I said at one point you did mention you and I arrived in New York, fall of 1982. Yeah. I came from Albany, so I already knew who he was. The most disgusting human being, the per like among the world that kept me from, that kept me punk rock and new wave and yeah. didn't, I never got to enjoy sushi or cocaine until 10 years after college because they were the yuppie money, disgusting people things. Yes. Was Donald Trump. It was right between Don yeah. the yeah. Trump Tower and the hotel. And yeah. he, he, he thrived on being around celebrities and trying to become one. Yes. And we've seen... The ultimate, you'll never see that being used for more power than it worked. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. Amazing. He spent a yeah. life trying to become famous and yeah. fame became a value in and of itself and he became president. And you have been in the room with Donald Trump on numerous occasions. I have. I mean, it's, it's I just, like impressions. Yeah. Thoughts. Well, I, I, this is the one thing that I'll be apologetic for for Playboy about is that we uh, uh, we helped create that monster. I don't think we were the only ones, but Donald Trump was one of the few men to appear on the cover. And we all, you know, yeah. we all watch Celebrity Apprentice or, yeah. or Apprentice. Yeah. Not we all, but yeah. too many of us. So, um, and he would he Trump Tower was across the street from our offices. Um, and I also knew someone who worked for him as a vendor, you know, a Trump product. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I've met him, uh, you know, a number of times and, um, like most, you know, in, in, if you meet a politician, they're James Carville or whatever, these, these people are really charming and Trump had a lot of charm, uh, in that he'd, uh, know your name, he'd, uh, know who you were. Uh, he would tell Christy, I have a special measure, you know, uh, um, uh, message for your father. Next time you see him, he'd lean in and whisper, you know, all very cleverly done. She'd laugh, um, you know, and, and, and Christy helped Barack Obama in Chicago. You know, she is not, would not be happy with Trump today. I haven't asked her directly, but you know, um, you know, where our, our politics, but he just played all of us in that kind of like jovial, um, way. Uh, doesn't like being touched. We would all know. Germs. We yeah. would not shake it. You know, no, no offering of handshakes. Right. Before you go on, though. Yeah. See, that's the kind of thing that's interesting to hear as a lay person because, you know, I've seen him for thirty years, but only from a distance. And yeah, it's so baffling to so many of us that someone who so often is a buffoon. Yeah. Not just he wasn't famous. Like he doesn't have Bill Clinton charm. You can see. Yeah. yeah. But he had a skill set. Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, look, I mean, um, uh, I, uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, another guy. Bill O'Reilly gave off more uh, signals of, of, of hostility and uneasiness. My encounters mm -hmm. with him were very uneasy. You know, he actually wrote a... What were the contexts? Uh, one of the contexts was a book party that we had at Elaine's, uh, maybe the one that uh, Ethan Cohen went to, maybe not. You know, we, we did that fairly, uh, you know, frequently when we tried to promote things. Um, and I told him uh, that, uh, uh, that I had read his book. He wrote a murder mystery mm -hmm. at one point. A uh, decent book, uh, you know, pretty much a genre book, you know, uh, and uh, uh, was uh, cleverly done and and uh, told from a perspective of somebody like him, a rich guy, you know, it was like a, a Hamptons murder mystery mm -hmm. kind of thing. That's, that's what I remember about it. And I remember being surprised that it was well done. And I told him, I was like, Bill, I read your book, you know, and you know, it's a good job. You did a good, good job with the novel. And... Um, 
You know, he gave me the squinty-eyed, beady-eyed... Fuck you, of course I did a good job. Yeah, he was just like, I hope you're not just saying that. You know, like paranoia, aggression, insecurity, all balled up in his eyes. Like looking at me, I'm like, I'm like, why would I go out of my way, you know, to to, to do something like that? I was like, I I read a lot of books, man, Mm -hmm. you know? You, I'm, right. I'm telling you, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, ah, all right, all right. Um, we did a Playboy interview with somebody else who slagged Bill O'Reilly. I don't know who it was. It might, I don't think it was Bill Maher. I don't think it was Al Franken. But, but somebody like that. We didn't. And you know, he just called him an sob and stupid and all that kind of thing. O'Reilly's agent, who I, you know, and and we did a few things with Bill O'Reilly. I'll throw my hands up. We tried to preach to both sides of the aisle. Um, called me up on behalf of Bill. I think Bill was in the background. Um, Bill's really upset that you printed that about. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's what this guy thinks. I let him say whatever he wants, anytime he thinks. What we did not censor Bill O'Reilly when he did the interview, get off my back, you know? Don't don't bully and bluster mm-hmm. this thing at mm-hmm. all. I, I always thought that was a real dick move. Um, Trump was not Trump. Yeah. Trump, in contrast. Way more in contrast. Like, could, didn't care, you know, about, you know, if you said bad things about him, he didn't care. He, could, he was he saying could things about him. him. Exactly. Exactly. That's what he was, knew more than us, that that was the more important thing. And he would come in and, and whatever. And I mean, I know he has his picadillos and the people around him would tell, you know. Uh, but that, that dossier, I can tell you without revealing too many secrets or anything like that, compl- that's a load of crap. I cannot believe that he'd be in a room where uh, bodily fluids were being expelled oh, on his bed. Simply because of his paranoia. I just, I, you know... Knowing a little too much about what, what, how he would screen people, let's put it that way, no way that something like that went down in the manner that it did. That's like, you know, uh, the, the, the low-level uh, intelligence agents at the end of the bar bullshitting talk, uh-huh. I think. I mean, that, that's, that strikes me so preposterous from the little bit that I, that I might know. It doesn't jibe. Yeah. So as much as I'd want to, right. like, yeah, right. get that tape, yeah. you know, get him out of there now. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That makes perfect sense, though. You just watch him, like, just the way he gets objects away from him and placed in a certain exactly. way. He's yeah. so germaphobic. And he just, like, he wants, uh, you know, he'd probably ask for blood tests from people all around him, you know, regardless of whether he was had romantic yeah. interest or anything. So, I mean, he, he's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of people about, because a lot of people who are my friends are more, they're frustrated because Al Franken. Yeah. What do you do? More yeah. of a normal scumbag. Yep. Grabbed asses. Idiot. Idiot. Just pulling an idiot move. And, and, an idiot prankster. And yeah. My argument is just like, yeah, so he doesn't get to be a senator anymore. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. He gets to be rich. Yep. Write books. Right. Change the world. Be a martyr. Yeah. For his party. Yeah. And they put, and they got to put another Democrat in. Yeah. Yeah. So tough break. Yeah. I feel like that the, there are going to be casualties like who might have yeah. gotten away with stuff before mm-hmm. in the world, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know what do you. Well, I I mean the the 
that world of comedy, you know, once the spotlight was on him, I don't know anything about uh, whether the, he was at Saturday Night Live. He, yeah. The parties there, I don't know what else was, was there. He probably doesn't know what somebody could fling in his face at the next go around, which is why it's tough to come from the world of entertainment, you know, and uh, where the, where people are way more wild than somebody coming out of the world of law or business to become a politician. And that's the risk that he, that he ran. Mm-hmm. Um, he was probably a pretty straight lace in comparison to any, everybody that he was around uh, because he got this far without somebody saying, I remember him, you know, wearing yeah. ladies underwear dangling from yeah. a chandelier. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. You know, when, when, when it happens, it happens and you can't, you know, there's no blame or excuses to be made, and, and particularly if you're going to be the party of one thing uh, versus another, you, you you should always do the honorable thing. There's no honor today in what Fox News and the Republicans are doing, no. and that's a major, you know, that's a that's a. And I think uh, we're starting to see it come back to haunt them. I would hope so. And I, I think in think 2018, I I, 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 well, you know, I mean, Christian evangelicals shouldn't even be in the same boat, but they are, and so they're. Obviously, it's hard to see them not as, as hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 the satisfying your own self-interest on the one thing and turning a blind eye to the other things uh, isn't something that I would like to see the, the Democratic Party do. And I, I, I just think that the world is changing and it moves and fits and starts. And those guys are making big mistakes on the Republican side. And uh, I, I hope it turns around. Yeah, but we get what we deserve, man. You know, if if people aren't gonna get out and vote and participate, and uh, then this is what happens. You know, uh, a small minority from weird places can you know make rules about guns and yeah. the environment and and whatever, yeah. and we're screwed. Yeah, yeah, and the tide will turn at least somewhat. Yeah, I think we're all capable of turning the tide too without waiting four years and 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 doing all that. Yeah. Um, but the 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 that's a that's a another issue of the media. You know, the celebrity. It was funny because you 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 mentioned celebrity, and I did, and I never really thought about the the celebrity component of Playboy. Uh, but it was a celebrity magazine, you know, you tried to get famous people. Sure, the interview the and, and the yeah. fiction. And, and, and magazine industry, aside from the news weeklies, which were a small component of it, was a celebrity uh, industry mm-hmm. um, that doesn't really exist anymore. And now the whole thing has changed for whatever reason. The magic word Trump is what drives traffic and eyeballs. And uh, I think it's bad for our health, you know, certainly it is for mine. I don't want to read about it every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not much, not much, not, not that much is changing, not for a New Yorker living in this, you know, culture and environment. Um, and the things that are changing, if it comes to climate change or regulations or, or education are things that, that we have the power to, to take in our, in, in, in our own, um, uh, way and local community based stuff, uh, where we don't have to have the national media or the federal government intrude our lives in this way. Yeah. I find it really annoying, <laughs> you know, go yeah. away people. Uh, uh, we'll see if that backlash happens. 
I hope it does. I hope it, but, but it, but it's, it's, it's so funny how that dominates, you know, no wonder so many people are interested in sports. It's a great, you know, uh, relief. And even that's getting politicized. So, and, and it should be. Yeah. I get mad at friends on Facebook sometimes who get mad at people who like, how can you be excited about the Patriots right now? It's like, you know, because it's called escapism. You're playing your, your, your video game or yeah, yeah. whatever, you know. And, and exactly. And, and, and I think that the, uh, uh, you know, the players are, are trying. I mean, unfortunately, I think that it's just funny how the NFL is Republican and the NBA is Democrat. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, uh, and you get there. Well, it's get, not that funny. There's a racial element there. Sure. And I live in Western Mass. Yeah. You know, a, a, a a state with a great basketball history, but in Western Mass, yeah. you'll see signs outside of businesses that say "Go Pats, Go Sox." Don't yeah. say "Go Celtics." Yeah, yeah, that's that's it is, and, and but it starts at the top. Those I have those NFL owners. And, you know, somebody should go through the the, the the past and family histories of those guys. They're, they're scumbags <laughs> yeah. all. And we treat them like, you know, well, we don't treat them this way, but they're uh, they're presenting this false front of... Sure. Uh, and know, the players get demonized for making money. Exactly. Yeah. Or or kneeling, you know. Um, or kneeling, of course. Yeah. Know, it's it's yeah. ridiculous. And you do the Air Force flyovers and the camouflage that uniforms. That is so funny. And... Uh, my wife is half German. Yeah. Raised in America, but spoke German in the house and lived yeah. in Germany and back and forth. The other day, we don't watch American football, as I don't. I only watch basketball. Yeah. But we were watching a football game, and a stealth bomber flew over. And Anya was going on about how disgusting it was. And I'm like, very naive American. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but it's just a jingoistic show of power. What's shocking about that? <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. like... They did that in Germany. They'd be held to pay just for the amount of money that got spent to yeah. fly that plane over. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Never thought about it. It's it's a recruitment video, you know. It's yeah. really it's really kind of kind of sad. And, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I never thought about the fact that we do it and other people don't. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. bet in Soviet Russia they did it. At, at yeah, sure. Stadiums, right? Back exactly. The, yeah, but. Well, the, they, they, I think that the uh, the Olympic team wore military uniforms, didn't they? They were members of the military. Yeah. Not how they got paid or something. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird. Um, thank you for your service. There's all this of 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 taking a job as a mercenary and killing those little brown people who we don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know it, 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 it's it's and I don't mean to you know the. The people who are in the military deserve better than that. You know, they just do. They sure. deserve, you know, better equipment and not the high tech thing. So it's all screwed up. But that's a whole different yeah. deal. Yeah, and the whole NBA, NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's only in the NBA that you're hearing these middle aged white men stepping up. Yeah. Greg Pop- Popovich and, right. and, and Steve Kerr. Yeah. Saying yeah, you know, and expressing their own responsibility for yes. the culture, and 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 they yeah. have it, and and the irony of I listen to a lot of sports radio because uh, I spent some mornings driving my son or whatever, uh-huh. and um, so the the idea, the outrage of these sports fans about the kneeling thing, and these players are coming from communities where they're the one guy who got out yeah. through the talent. What do you think? 
their cousins and their family members and their neighbors are uh, what what are what are the opportunities for them in their lives? They're most like they probably are going into the military and they probably so they know more people in the military and more people in the police force yeah. than these guys calling in and getting outraged because they're giving up their season tickets. Yeah, it's like they know. You know, how dare you say that they're disrespecting the troops? They are the troops. Yeah. You know, the troops yeah. are telling you something and you're not listening. Oh, we got to go out on a happier note. Yes, yes, that's true. Well, okay, so you're in between projects and you're, you've got a possible, you've got something you yes. aren't ready to really go into yet. But if you were to go back and, you know, be more editorial involved with people, who are dream people you'd love to work with who are writers? Oh, wow. At this point, yeah. you never did yeah. get to. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I'm going to I'm gonna probably stumble through that that's one. That's okay. But, but um, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, I like promoting the, 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 the voices of people who are somewhat been marginalized. So you see Tanahisi Coates, you're like, wow, that's, you know, great. There's a woman, Roxane Gay, who I've just started to read yes. a recommendation of some other people. And you know what's uh, what I enjoy about that stuff is um, I never feel I, I think having an alternative point of view, even if I don't espouse it myself, even if I might be even the target in some general way, is fine. We should be talking. We should be thinking about this stuff. And if there's whatever my next project might be, whatever wherever I land next, I would hope that I'd be promoting the idea that uh, the role of the writer in uh, our culture and society should go back to or 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 or, or can be. Um, positioned in a way that we that it once was, and again it goes back to to, to Mailer, who who once ran for the mayor of New York City uh, as a part as a lark, but would be on TV, on talk shows, espousing some pretty strange stuff about mm-hmm. plastic and God and the devil, you know, and um, Dick Cavett, you know, things being taken you know uh, more seriously. So the chatter in the air on our phones is coming from this news-based stuff uh which is just just the fast tiktok of like nothing's happening nothing something's happening nothing's happening something's happening nothing and uh meanwhile you've got this wide range of people who are producing books working on really bearing down and examining problems you know um uh that that deserve wider um dissemination among that 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 should be uh that 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 people should talk about right like the uh um i don't know if this will mean jonathan kozel right Mm -hmm. wrote about uh, the education system Mm -hmm. there are some very smart people thinking about public education the way we educate people uh those ideas should be out there we should be talking about that as much as any other idiot posturing in in washington dc um, and so those are the those are the kind of people that I would, you know, want to uh, help um, get the word out. I think cool. there's there's opportunity there. Absolutely, get 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 those get that mainstream to 
to, to, yeah. to get it out of the hands of at Madison Avenue and the advertisers and into and, 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 and the ratings people and get it into the hands of the people who have actually something to say. That's that's the dream. All right. Yeah. I, I good luck. I, I hope, yeah, I, no, it'll be it, it'll be a small. I hope we <laughs> yeah, we all can take little steps. Out. Yeah, it, it could change things a little bit yeah. in a little area, or at least you know, uh, uh, encourage people to keep on doing it because I don't know where a young person who wants to write these days finds encouragement. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Roxane Gay. She spends a lot of time on Twitter trying to encourage young writers. You know, of what largely women of color, but anyone. And she will respond to just individual fan kind of yeah. letters very encouragingly. And that's really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've known that, you know, the great writers are very encouraging to, to people when they, when they have time, they like, they like reading, they, they, they like books. They, you know, everybody does have a story, you know, we should be a literate society, a more literate society than we are now. You know, um, why do we love English people? It's not just the accents or people from Ireland. They, they, they have, they've hung on to their storytelling, the storytelling and their, and their, 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 their honor and education literacy a little bit more than, than, than we, we seem to have. Yeah. So. Well, to yeah. better times. To better. Yeah. <laughs> it's always. That's, that's been my new year's wish. Ever thus. Ever thus. Well, come on. We grew up with, uh, with Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we had the great, my personal bullshits theory, we're living in Ronald Reagan's world. Things changed in 1980 and they had been the post-war thing was where we didn't have all, a lot of stuff, you know, brought us through up in point. Now we're in a new era that started in 1980 and let's get out of it. And when we get out of it, maybe it'll be a better, I, I, you yeah. know, rather than worse. Right. Yeah. Here's to that. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Sure, thanks. Andy. Thanks for starting it over with me. Oh, happy! I hope cool. you got it. Yeah. Uh, this time, I'm pretty sure we got it. Excellent. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're not quite done yet because as I was putting away my equipment at that point, it occurred to me that Chris and I hadn't talked at all about the celebrity of Playmates or his experiences at the Playboy Mansion. Which, how could I not include that stuff? <laughs> so. It, it speaks to our incredible literary integrity that it hadn't dawned on me to that point. So we did talk about it. I mean, uh, playmates were um, celebrities, but without a lot of money, you know, but, but you, they, they, they were famous and they, they were the people that our audience would know. People would ask me what it would be like for me at the, at the mansion. And I, and I would tell them that I was, uh, uh, I was happy only when I left the mansion because it meant that I hadn't done anything wrong and I hadn't gotten fired. <laughs> if I said one thing to a, a, uh, a playmate that they took the wrong way and she was upset, that which you would tell a friend, believe it or not, it would go through the, through the uh, uh, game and telephone or the, 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 the circle of, of people out there in L.A. And it would land on Mary O'Connor's desk who maintained relationships with, with all the key um, women there. And she would tell Hef and Hef would come down on you real hard for uh, you, 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 you just get bounced. I mean, we that was you were you not to hassle any any of them. <laughs> and, you know. There were no some. There are a couple of uh, 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 relationships that develop between 
people who worked at Playboy and and uh, women who posed for the mm-hmm. magazine and would later go on to get married. But that was like the ultimate taboo. You just never went near it. I mean, when the parties at the mansion turned to be more free, the security people would move through the crowd and tap you on the shoulder. That meant it was 10 a.m. It was time for you to go. And I'd be <laughs> thrilled. I'd be like, yay, great. Get me out of here. You got out. Because, you know, you don't want to. I, I uh, um, oh, Another long-winded story. I'm so sorry to do this to you. No, no. <laughs> Early on, I um, uh, we did an article about Perry Farrell, who had just finished Jane's Addiction. Yeah. And, and Jane's Addiction and was going on to something else. And he was really interested in the... Uh, uh, the, the the new Jewish millennium. I can't remember the name of the the thing, but it was it was he was he was being told that it was is happening and 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 he wanted to be there to celebrate it. So we did this article about it, and that was the focus of it. And then he wanted a, a party at the mansion <laughs> because Dave Navarro had been hanging out there and told him some wild stuff. But Perry wanted a barbecue in the middle of the day uh thrown on his behalf and uh i said i'll see what i can do now i was in new york i had no pull in la and i floated this by the promotion team and they're like well we can do a daytime party and downtown julie brown's on the cover so we can get both we can kill two birds with one so we'll do it both at the mansion so the party I was involved with the party from which is really not my strong suit and nerve-wracking you're trying to get get celebrities going you're talking to agents it's just like you know there's just no way you can win with this stuff and uh, the day of the party comes and it was hilarious because to get to the mansion if you don't have drive-on privileges you have to go to a almost like a public park park your car and a bus will take you Mm -hmm. up and i remember waiting there and seeing a bus pull up and the jane's addiction dancers and studio people started coming off the bus along with mike watt and flea Okay. Yeah. In the middle of the day in LA. Getting on this shuttle bus. Yeah, getting on the shuttle bus, walking by downtown Julie Brown is the plastic version of God knows what, you know, and there's so there's flannel, tattoos, there's piercings, they come out like a freak show. But Playboy people didn't know what was going on with this, even when we were publishing in the magazine. They're thinking like, what what is Napolitano doing and who are these you know? So all of that was like very fun. But but Perry wanted uh, as part of his party, he wanted to do a public service announcement for Save the Bay to reduce uh, wastewater and, and, and stuff from being uh, going unfiltered into uh, the waters off of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. A big cause for him. And uh, so he had, uh, uh, had some camera people there. And what he wanted to do, he had very quick things. just like, I get to live a great life in front of the cameras. Um, I'm hanging out here at the Playboy Mansion. Anytime I want to go swimming, I can just do this. You know? And he would pull off his suit and he had like a little skinny, naturally, like little tidy. Yes, he's very frail. He can pull that off. <laughs> exactly. And then he would fall backwards into the pool where there'd be four playmates uh-huh. there to catch him. For whatever reason, now, I don't know any of the playmates. I'm supposed to make sure that they're staying in the pool. <laughs> they're coming out of the pool like, I got to pee. I got to go. Right. I have an interview over here. I'm like, just please, it's five minutes. Yeah. He's just going to do this one thing. Take a suit and fall backwards. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm an editor. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a very good production assistant. And it was really, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to upset these, these women. You know, I, I, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to, you know, uh, get them out of the way. And there were some 
cameramen from, I don't know, ETV or something like that, who were totally putting the shine on one of them uh, by doing an in-depth interview with them on camera about her life. And I was like, we, you know, Janet, whatever, you know, we really need you in the pool mm-hmm. now. I'm, I'm doing this, this, this long thing. I'm like, Janet, they don't have the, the lights not on. They're not filming this. These guys are just like fucking with you. And I was just like, guys, get out of here. Oh. You know, let her go. We, we need her over here. And she's like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, oh, my God, is that the thing that's going to get me, you know, in, the, ah. in, in hot water? So anyway, it all went well. He got the, you know, the public service announcement. The, the day ended and I got to leave and I was never happier. And you never and heard about it. It was over. Offending yeah. Janet. Yeah, never, never. Yeah. No bad news. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Sure. <laughs> You can find our previous episode with Chris Napolitano, episode 56, by going to 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 15-M-I-N-U-T-E-S-J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com, where you can also find episodes, uh, conversations with uh, Brooke Gladstone, David Sedaris, Beth Lissick, just to name a more literary few of the 60-some other guests that you can also find on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever pods are cast. Ed Patnode edits the show. Christian Kandari made our song. You've been listening to 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger. 